Hey, Freedom Jumpers, welcome to episode 56 of the Agency Freedom Podcast, where we help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. I'm your host, James Jenkins, and my guest for this episode 56 is Miss Karina Ludwig, CEO of Function Fox, a project management and tasking software platform. Karina hails from the great country of Canada, north of the border. She is our first ever Canadian guest on AFP. Karina and I get into a lively conversation on process and system, on team building and culture, and retaining great people. I really enjoyed this conversation. Karina is the first guest ever who proactively reached out to me and said, hey, I think I'd make a great guest for your show. And what do you know? Uh, We looked at her up and decided that she would be a good guest for the show, and she was and is. I'm very glad to bring this to you. Before we jump into the bumper and get to the content, same three requests as always. Please subscribe to AFB on the platform of your choice, drop us a review if that's something you're into, and share AFB with someone who is still in captivity. As we uh, progress now into Season 2, I'd love to get your feedback uh, and anything that you think we can do better here on this podcast. If you have a guest suggestion, if you think you would make a great guest, by all means, feel free to drop us a line at podcast at agencyfreedom.com. And we are in the process of building out the Agency Freedom website. Shout out to Chris Langell and the team at Advisor Evolved. We should have that thing up Uh, and ready to go sometime within the next few weeks. So I will let you know exactly when that is ready. There'll be lots of goodies and resources at agencyfreedom.com ready for you. But for now, it is Karina Ludwig, episode 56 of the Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. There are two kinds of people in the insurance industry. Those who are captive and those who are free. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast. Captivity can go far beyond the companies you represent. It starts between your ears and its impact is felt in every corner of your business. We're all about helping agency principals and sales professionals reach your maximum potential and flex your freedom. If your goals are big enough, you're gonna have to get uncomfortable to be able to reach them. Our team at RiskWell is living this out every single day. This show is where I share our successes, our failures, and everything I learn along the way. We deliver relevant, tactical, and actionable content from industry peers, innovative partners, and a variety of leaders from other business verticals. We're not holding anything back. There's no upsell, no guru pitch, and no fluff. It's time to unshackle yourself from captivity and make your freedom jump with the Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. What's up, Freedom Jumpers? James Jenkins here for another episode of the Agency Freedom Podcast. And my guest for this episode is Miss Karina Ludwig, if I say it in the correct pronunciation, and Ludwig, if we uh, use the Americanized version. But uh, she is the founder and CEO of Function Fox. She's one of those very cool people that operates outside of the insurance industry. So I imagine most of you probably have not heard of her. Uh, Karina, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Thanks, James. No, I got to say, I love uh, the way that Karina does business. Uh, She reached out by email, uh, gosh, probably what three or four months ago now. uh, And we've been circling and busy with other things. Both of us have been, but we finally made this happen. And uh, Karina is the first ever guest on our podcast 
where the initial contact came from uh, her reaching out and saying, hey, love what you're doing with the podcast. You guys you know, got some cool stuff going on. I think I offer a lot of value to your listeners. And what do you know? I did some research and I think she does offer value to our listeners. So congratulations on, uh, on being proactive and making something happen because I got to say most of the people that reach out and be like, hey, can I be a guest on your show? I'm like, I've never spoken to you before in my life and I check you out on social or your website or whatever. And it's like, eh, no, I'm not really interested in putting that in front of my audience. But with you and with Function Fox, I think this is going to be a pretty cool show. So, uh, you want to start us off with, uh, with your backstory, who you are, what you're all about, you know, your vision and values in this crazy thing called life. Crazy thing called life. Yeah. We're all living it every day. Right. So, uh, my background is in the agency world. It's not an insurance, but it is an agency. And I've been doing that for 20, 30 years now. And really it's a background in advertising design and software to put it bluntly. So we sell time tracking and project management software to creative agencies around the world. Uh, Lots of similarities between the agency world and the insurance world. Mm -hmm. And so I've listened to your podcast for a long time and there's lots of great content, great conversations, and just thought this would be a perfect opportunity for us to connect and share with your listeners. No, that's great. No, I, I love when people know who they are and they can articulate it clearly. So, Function Fox, um, I wasn't familiar with that before uh, Before you reached out initially. I, I went to your website and it seems pretty straightforward, uh, pretty interesting concept there. There are so many similar platforms in, in Function, just from a, a high level, it would seem like, uh, whether it is, you know, Monday.com or Trello or, you know, I could go on and on and on. There's, it seems like there's a lot of companies that are attempting to do similar concepts. Uh, what is your vision with Function Fox? What is the big hairy problem that it solves? Yeah, so when we started 22 years ago now, the vision was simple. We wanted to help better understand our profitability and help increase our revenue at the end of the day. And so we built a tool for ourselves. We were running an ad agency and just wanted to track the time, manage the projects, know where our clients were at, knew where all the projects were at. So we built it for ourselves and found that, you know, this was really helpful, not just for us, but also from the background that I had knowing that there wasn't really anything in the industry. And so we did a, we did about 300, 400 calls to the U.S. and said, you know, what are you guys using? And found that there really wasn't anything in the industry at the time and definitely nothing online. So we were one of the first ones to launch an online platform and found that, you know, this is working for us. So we shared it with other people in the industry. They thought it was excellent. Um, we added to it and it sort of grew from there. Fast forward 22 years, you know, hundreds of thousands of agencies around the world using our product. Um, and people are telling us, you know, you're helping increase our billable hours. We've increased revenues by 50%. You know, we're not making those things up. They're, they're just a byproduct of using good products and good software. Now there's, you know, there's hundreds of other products out there. What makes ours different is it's for the creative industry. And so we really niche or defined on how we're, you know, talking to our clients and the type of clients that we attract. Fantastic. So when you look at the creative industry in particular, like, you know, marketing agencies, you know, creative, mm-hmm. uh, digital design and, and the creative is, is kind of like insurance. The word creative is just exceptionally broad. It means so many different things depending on who you ask. 
what have you identified as needs that are specific or unique, perhaps, uh, to the creative industry uh, that Function Fox is designed uh, to attack, to help with? Yeah, so, I mean, we, we can go more general. We have users that are from uh, insurance agencies. We've got people that are from funeral homes and cleaning companies. You know, that's not who we market or target. It does work for those. Uh, but when we look at the specific creative agencies or graphic design firms, marketing companies, internal marcoms, it's the language that we use. It's the terms that we use. It's the workflow and the process. We understand from concept all the way through to completion of a project the life cycle and all the stages that come with that. So the milestones, the meetings that they have, those are all fairly standard in the ad agency. And while they translate to other industries, we know that language really well and we have that background. So we're able to speak to that group and understand the challenges that they're facing that uh, some industries, you know, fluctuate and, and are facing other challenges. Mm -hmm. So that's what really makes it different. One of the things that I have found to be kind of a limiting factor in so many of these tech platforms that we have looked at for various purposes over the last few years is the target customer profile. You know, some companies are going after the broad mass market appeal, the lowest common denominator, where you're really going after that plug and play kind of functionality. And then other platforms are tailored for more of a customizable experience. You know, they cater to more of the power user and some companies are just in between where there's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Uh, where would you say Function Fox and, and your vision is for the kind of, of customer that's using your platform? Is, are they generally the plug and play, uh, you know, highly repeatable processes kind of company or individual? Or is it more the people that get in there and dig in with, you know, open APIs and data portability and, you know, the quote unquote power user kind of profile? Yeah, at the end of the day, our group likes to stay doing what they do best, which is being creative and not spend a lot of time on their software. So plug and play is very easy. Uh, users can be up and running in the same day and they can just jump in and, and get going. We can obviously customize that and some power users obviously do, uh, but the large majority is, is fairly straightforward in terms of company size, anywhere from a one user company that just wants to use a, a light product and get in and use it themselves to companies that have 500 plus employees and it's across multiple departments. So, you know, from the very simple to the very complex with the majority being in the middle of, you know, 10 to 25 users. Very cool. So you guys have been around for a long time at this point. You're not a new company. You're, you're not in startup mode. You're not in, you know, an incubator or something like that. You've got a pretty good idea who you are and, and what you're doing and how you're doing it. Uh, how has that evolved over time? Because, I mean, man, you look at the last – you said you've been in the game for more than 20 years at this point. Mm -hmm. You know, what in, what does that look like now for where the creatives are at this point? Because the, the scale, the growth, the complexity in the creative agency industry in the last 20 years – might be greater than any other industry just because the the advent of so many different channels for communicating and and social media exploding in so many different ways that creatives are very involved in. Uh, well, how has that looked for you when you look at it from more of a, a time perspective, you know, the evolution of this thing? Yeah, the evolution is definitely interesting. And, you know, I, I put uh, 
great pride out to the people or great kudos to the people that are starting an agency now. I think it's it's definitely a tougher market, you know, to dominate it in a arena where there's a lot of noise and a lot of stiff competition or, or friendly competition. Uh, when we started out, it was a very small market. And we said, you know what, we're going to do this for ourselves, because that's what we believe in. And we found that, you know, focus small, focus on what you know, focus on what you do and the product that you understand and the language you understand, which was creative agencies. And we said, we'll keep doing that until it no longer works. And we're still doing it 22 years later. Awesome. So the industry hasn't changed that much. Of course, it's ebbed and flowed like any industry similar to real estate or insurance where there's, you know, sometimes it's an agency market, sometimes it's a buyer's market. Um and we've all had the same challenges over the year, right? We we launched in the dot-com kind of bust era. There was the recession along the way, you know, obviously most recently COVID and other big challenges. But if you look at the big scheme of things, the big landscape of it, they're all just, we just call them speed bumps. They're just speed bumps and new challenges that you say, okay, how am I going to tackle that? How is are we as a team going to get through that challenge? Hmm. And, you know, we're still here. So there's something we're doing right at the end of the day. 22 Um, years of longevity. You can't really argue with that. You're definitely doing something right, like you said. One of my favorite things about uh, getting to have this podcast and and, and bring some good content to our audience and our peers in the industry is there's some people we come across that have absolutely nothing to do with insurance. Or where you're a perfect example. Cool person doing something cool. It's like. Well, we can learn from that. There's there's all kinds of mm-hmm. uh, opportunities to to glean something useful from your experience. You know, you've been an executive leading a team, solving problems, driving revenue, uh, in you know in every phase of the company. Uh, you've been around the whole time, so you've seen sales and marketing and ops and HR and all of the back office stuff and you know team culture and dynamics. Uh, what are some of your you know tips and tricks that you've learned along the way? Like when you're getting in front of uh, people that are younger in their journey as an executive, as a business owner. You know, maybe maybe one or two things uh, that you've learned along the way that you're deploying now as a seasoned executive. Uh, any anything you'd like to share with our audience? Sure. There's, I think, there's some common ones that go across any industry, and, and obviously we talk to people from all different types of industries. But some key ones in any business that really make a business, you know, uh, drive or not drive is vision. For sure, vision. I would say that's number one. It's just knowing where are you going? What are you doing? What's the mission? Is your team on board with that? You obviously have to have a team that's related to that. Um, Number two would be defining your market, really understanding, you know, who are you selling to? What's that target industry? Is it broad? Is it small? The smaller you can go and the more defined you can go, I think we've had more success with that. So to find that industry really tight if you can. Um, and then it's people at the end of the day. It's your, it's your biz- biggest expense. It's your, you know, it's, it's what your company is made out of. So make sure that you hire the right people. Um, and if they're not a fit, you move them along quickly because that will make or break your business at the end of the day. It's the people that are talking to the customers. It's the people that are making the decisions. It's the people that are growing the business. Uh, that didn't, doesn't help them itself. So it's all about the people at the end of the day. Um, and compensating employees well, giving them that growth opportunity, giving them the guidance that they need and helping them move along if, if that's the right thing. So people at the end of the day. And then, of course, having a, a really good, solid service or product or whatever it is that you're selling 
um, that has to be flawless. It has to be uh, able to adapt and grow with your team. So good products, good vision, good people. I think those are common in almost any industry and what we have found to be the most important over the 20 plus years. It's really interesting to be talking to someone who's been in the game as long as you have, because uh, it, at least in the insurance world and insure tech and some of these related verticals that I'm familiar with, you know, the advent of the traditional uh, capital raise where you go out and uh, get a, a sponsor and go through the seed round and VC, you know, with Silicon Valley people and, you know, wherever else. Uh, what was your experience as you were getting Function Fox off the ground? Did you guys bootstrap this thing or did you, uh, you know, go through, you know, more traditional capital raise and, and seek equity partners to scale this thing? What, what was that journey like? Yeah, so we're, we're bootstrapped. We didn't plan on growing some big business. We actually said, you know, we're building this for ourselves. We said, okay, is there any friends, family that want to invest in this dream that we have or this vision that we have? And so we did an initial round, um, you know, it wasn't even called seed funding at the time. It was just, hey, who wants to invest? And we did half a million. And we've used company profits ever since. So we've never done another round of funding. We've never had another injection of cash. And so we function very differently than a lot of the newer uh, businesses that have exploded where they're like, okay, you know, we've got another round of uh, funding or we have a large investment and it's operated in a very different way. When you have a large amount of cash and you just need to spend it, your vision and your strategy is very different than, hey, we've built this business, we have profit, how are we going to reinvest that profit to continue to grow the business? It's just a different mindset and different strategy. And for us, it's it's worked. Yeah, it, it is a completely different strategy when you have investors to answer to uh, and your, you know, your cash flow model looks completely different. You know, for most people in, in the traditional, the retail uh, PNC insurance world, all of that is, is completely irrelevant because it's literally just, you know, wake up, talk to people, sell stuff and repeat. Uh, and then, you know, keep the clients you have happy and go get more clients. That's basically the revenue model. It, it is not nearly as complicated as some of these uh, insured techs and, and other vendors that go through that, you know, traditional uh, capital raise side of things. Uh, tell me about the, the nuts and bolts of the company. Where are you at as far as headcount and your team members? Uh, you know, what, what does it look like for you guys uh, structurally at this point? Yeah, so we're a Canadian-based company. We focus primarily on the U.S. market. We have a small team of 16 people, really strong and stable team. 80%, 87% of that has been with us for more than seven years. And it's about 50% over 10 years and 18% over 19 years. Um, so really strong, wow. stable so team. So 20% of your workforce, 20% of those four, I'm doing basic math here, so what, three or four of those people have been with you since almost the beginning. Right. Yeah. And we've had people that have, have retired. And so, you know, those people would count in there too, or could count in there as to, to increase those numbers. But well, obviously, majority, you know, better than most how that is just flat out incredible team member retention. So your, your culture, your organizational uh, processes must be really, really dialed in. What, what do you attribute that success to uh, that kind of team member tenure is is crazy high. 
Yeah. And, you know, we ask our team, obviously, like, why do you stick around? Right. And, and I'm not saying we've, we haven't moved people along or people have, you know, they've definitely had our comings and goings mm-hmm. of people and, and rightfully so. And, and that should happen in, in, in any company. I think the people that have stayed have really bought into the vision and we're not just treating them like employees. I mean, it's, I think it's common sense, but you know, what's the growth path for that person? How can we help them thrive? What can we do for them personally? Like whether it's help them buy a house or, you know, um, whatever their vision is outside of their company growth, but also for their personal growth. And I think we focused on that to, to really help the individual as a whole, not just, Hey, how, how can you help the company? But how can we help you? And I think, I think that's the difference that I haven't seen in other organizations that I've been a part of. It's really, you're here. You're part of the vision. You need to deliver on this. Um, but the outside things weren't as much a factor. So, mm-hmm. you know, the team would say it's flexibility. The team would say it's autonomy. Um, at the end of the day, we, we put out KPIs and we say, you know, here's where we're going. Here's what we need delivered. And the team just gets there, uh, at least for the most part. And so it's up to the individuals. But really, we work as a team. It's not um, hierarchical in that sense. And at the end of the day, we, we know the goals, we know the KPIs, and we work there as a team to get there. So it's pretty simple, but, you know, it works, obviously. So with you having 16 people, am I reading between the lines correctly from just the comments that you've made that you guys have already been a remote team in the past before COVID made that so much more commonplace? Yeah, so we had 25% of our team was remote prior to COVID. We were very office-centric. I'm a very office-centric person. I've always worked in an office with people. And so when COVID hit, we actually, uh, we had a building. And so we owned that building and we decided, we, you know, surveyed the team and said, would you come back? How many days would you come back? Does it make sense to keep the space? We decided to let go of the space. And we're seeing that obviously as a trend in the industry, people are letting go of the, the own spaces that they have. Yep. And we've moved to 100% remote. And with a team being so solidified and working together for so long, that transition has been really seamless. And it's actually put us on a better playing field, I believe, because instead of, you know, 25% being remote and the rest being office people, we're now all on the same page. So 100% remote. Um, and sure, there's, there's disadvantages to that, but there's a lot of advantages as, as well, obviously. Well, and one of the biggest advantages is satisfaction from your team and it's what they want, uh, at a very, at a minimum hybrid, uh, in office. And I got to confess, I'm also a fan of the in office just because I really like the people that we've hired. Like we have seven people on the team here. Uh, and very recently we added uh, a lady who is, you know, three or four hours away from us, but she's going to come up quarterly for our strategy and planning meetings once a quarter. Uh, but she is, you know, sitting at her house on a, on a computer and headset that we provided her and she's doing her thing. And she's our first, you know, from the very beginning, uh, full-time remote hire. But up to that point, everybody else that we've hired has been local and in person. And, and I think when we look forward into the future, that's definitely going to change. Uh, if Jen ends up working out like she is right now and like I expect her to continue to, we're probably just going to rinse and repeat with this model. And I mean, it opens up such a much larger, more diverse talent pool, right? Uh, when when yeah. you don't have to have just the local area, which 
I mean, Texas and Canada have similar issues because there's so much land. There's so mm-hmm. much room between, uh, you know, cities. You know, from here to Austin's a four-hour drive, four and a half, five-hour drive depending on traffic. And, you know, Canada's a very, very large country. There is a lot of land up there. So, I feel like we probably appreciate the some of those challenges of geography. Yeah, and it does. It opens up a whole new world. We've got people in Ontario and Alberta and, you know, across the country. Um, and it gives us the opportunity to explore hiring people in other geographies or other countries, uh, which really opens up your talent pool and your asset pool. So um, I think it's a good thing. And we're definitely seeing that trend in the industry and getting together on a daily basis is just not the norm anymore. Hey, Freedom Jumper. Are you looking to take your business to the next level? Who isn't, right? Write more business and see your agency succeed with NBS. At Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, they understand the challenges local agents face in the constantly changing marketplace. That's why they offer a wide array of personal and commercial markets and policy options to help you meet the needs of your customers, no matter how unique or outlandish they may be. With a team of experienced and dedicated professionals that provide you with the support and guidance you need to see your agency succeed, Nationwide Brokerage Solutions is here to support you every step of the way. Don't just survive in the competitive insurance industry. Thrive with Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. Get started today. Learn more at nbsbrokerage.com. You know, it's... It's a great thing talking with someone who's not in the industry, but it also means that a whole bunch of the shop talk that we could get into of a more nuanced level of communication just doesn't really apply to what you and I are doing. Where would you like to take the conversation? We've got a few minutes left, of course. Uh, anything that you want to handle, any any topics you want to get into, uh, anything that uh, would make this conversation more engaging and lively for your purposes. I mean, I always attend these podcasts and I'm like, where's the meat? What's the things that I can take away and walk away and learn from? And so exactly. yeah. I, think, I think, I think the top things that I can give you is trends that we're seeing in the industry, at least in the advertising industry. And I think a lot of those would be similar in the insurance agency industry. Um, you know, remote, we've talked about that. So hybrid letting go of the building and, uh, people are getting a lot of uh, revenue gain from that. There's obviously costs involved in, in having a building and having all the operations in house. So we're seeing that trend. Um, the geography lines have dropped. So obviously with COVID, people are expanding to be more global. Now in terms of insurance or advertising, um, you don't have to focus on your local market. You can do, you know, life insurance or whatever it may be across the globe. It doesn't have to be. People are open to that not being in their local area as long as they can talk to that person. And then there's more people making that jump, right? So that freedom jump, um, there's more freelancers. And so people are more open to freelancers. They let go of some of their staff because some of them had to. And now instead of replacing those and hiring people back, they're actually using freelancers or looking to independent consultants, independent insurance agencies. So I think that has been a, a really good trend. And, and I would see that the same would be in insurance as well. Um, on that one point um, there, I, I think mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of meat on that bone. You know, I, I noticed uh, it's been a few months ago. And I think it was last fall, like fall of 21, uh, where Allstate, uh, the, the carrier, uh, here in this in the U.S., 
had this ad campaign. They had it on TV commercials and radio and whatnot where they were presenting it as, hey, you have some free time? You should be an all-state sales agent. And they called them sales agents, not like agent agent, because mm-hmm. they presented it as, hey, you can do insurance as a side hustle. Oh, you got 10 hours a week? Sure, come on over. Sell Allstate for 10 hours a week in between driving your Uber and teaching your yoga classes or whatever it is that you're doing. And just the idea that some major company, I mean, Allstate's a Fortune 100, very, very large company. The fact that somebody there realized, hey, wait a second, this might be a good idea. Might, of course, in my opinion, the jury's still out. I don't know about you, but I don't want someone who's a part-time agent who's calling and, you know, the second they sell a policy, it goes to a service center and someone's sitting at a call center in front of a computer, obviously, you know, that sales agent is not servicing the policy. There's no relationship there. So, that's a different conversation for a different day, of course. But just the fact that somebody decided to do that and that somebody is a very large company, it's like, well, the gig economy is a real thing. Like, I mean, you look at Fiverr and Upwork and all these other gig economy platforms, I mean, I've personally used so many different things on Fiverr and Upwork. I mean, the the intro and outro for this podcast was done by a voice actor through Fiverr. Like some of the cool. stuff that we've done uh, on the back end, some of our, our database and architecture on the software side was a freelancer that I hired on, on Upwork. The gig economy is real. Uh, I think insurance as an industry definitely has not figured out how to utilize uh, people that want to participate in a gig economy kind of uh, work-life balance uh, or harmony, to use a Grant Botma term, work-life harmony. Shout out to you, Mr. Botma. Uh, but that that is something that I'd be curious to hear about from you. Like, what is that like? These, you call them freelancers. I'm not sure what we would call them here, part-time, side hustle, whatever. Mm-hmm. What is that like in, in the creative and, and advertising world? Yeah, it's it's grown substantially, especially since COVID. And I think that's not only people getting let go, but also people saying, hey, you know what, I can have a life. And I can, I can, you know, be with my dogs or be with my kids at home, I can work at 10 o'clock at night. And, you know, I think Allstate has done a brilliant thing. They've, they've opened it up, and they might actually transform some of those Uber drivers to be full time Allstate insurance sellers. Yeah. And I think that's great. Um, you know, I think people have the freedom and the companies that are really rigid or more traditional where you have to be in the office for eight hours a day. I think those are slowly going to die. People want to have that freedom and that autonomy to do and organize their day however they want. So in the advertising industry, you know, people have laid people off. They don't have full-time employees as much as they did anymore. That's the trend we're seeing for sure. And they're hiring freelancers or they're using Fiverr or things like that to accomplish their goals at the end of the day. And with a solid core team, that's very easy to do. You're going to hire an illustrator or you're going to hire an advertising or photographer or specialist, whatever that may be. You might have someone in the insurance industry that says, okay, I'm going to work on, you know, uh, wills or whatever the the thing might be in in your industry that I'm not as familiar with. So they're more targeted or specialized. And the same thing goes for the advertising industry where, you know, you're going to hire a particular person for a particular job. You can pay them for that for a set period of time, and then you move forward. And, um, you know, I think that that's very prevalent in our industry for sure. 
it's interesting to me to, to hear the analogs between two completely different but similar industries because in the last several years, uh, even before COVID, there was and, and is this uh, shift towards lower, uh, lower end, more clerical and administrative data entry uh, type positions being outsourced uh, overseas uh, to countries like the Philippines and, and uh, Singapore and Pakistan and India and some of these others uh, where offshoring of certain categories of jobs has become very normalized. You know, the, the small retail insurance agency a decade ago was very unlikely to go out and, you know, get a virtual team member, someone that's physically located in a different country. That's pretty normal now. I would say, you know, greater than 50% of retail agencies are at least aware of that if they haven't participated individually yet. Uh, the, the nature of work, the nature of labor uh, is, is definitely evolving in the industry. I'm really curious to see where that goes in the future mm -hmm. because as I would imagine, you would probably say, you know, the full-time professional creative sees, uh, you know, Fiverr as profanity, as as vulgar, you know, as this lower class amateur crap that, you know, the full-time professional probably, you know, turns up their nose and poo-poos that type of work because they're a legitimate professional because they're doing mm -hmm. it all day, every day. Uh, I would imagine that's, you know, probably a fair assessment of the way that, that that sort of work is viewed. But in in the insurance world, it's it's becoming more and more normalized where, you know, if someone's getting hired for in-person work, uh, they're probably in sales or account management or something that is, you know, client-facing where, you know, there's not really that many administrative and clerical and entry-level, you know, data entry type of jobs anymore. A lot of those are, are disappearing either because they're being automated or using technology to perform a task that a human did 15 years ago, or they're simply offshoring. Um, how, how have you seen that in, in your world? One, am I accurate in my assessment that the full-timers look at the Fiverr crowd and, and middle finger that whole bucket of people? Uh, it, it, I don't know how that is, but now that I'm sitting here like admitting to hiring Fiverr people, I, I imagine the full-time professionals, uh, are bothered about that. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll say that most of your assessment is correct and I would say even Function Fox we've we've hired Fiverr for a particular job that we wanted done really quickly and we didn't have a, a freelancer on hand to do it. So, but in the in the large scheme of things, there's some really good talented people on Fiverr yeah. um, that are usually doing that as their side hustle, right? So they've got a full-time job and they're offering some of that and they're doing that on their evenings or weekends or other times. I think that, again, the geo lines have blurred and offshore is becoming more feasible and people are more open to it. Uh, we have a, a full-time hire that we used to have on our team who moved to France. And so we send her things, you know, at four o'clock at night and they're done the next morning. And that's a real benefit for us. Mm. So time zones, what used to be, you know, seen as a hindrance is actually more of a new way of working. It's just a different way you operate. And with Zoom and, you know, the technology and the way things are today, it makes it really easy. You know, 20 years ago, that just wasn't an option because the technology wasn't there yet. So I think technology has definitely helped with that. And with diversity and inclusion and, you know, being a more globalized uh, company, 
you can't just hire everyone that you know that's local. You kind of have to expand that and go, okay, well, we need people that speak other languages. If we really want to grow our business, we need to have a team in Kazakhstan or we need to have a team in India or wherever it may be that makes sense for your business. So I think with technology and with the uh, vision of expanding your market and your demographic, international is is a way that you have to do that. It's it's sort of a given and people just have to adopt that and, and thrive in their new environment. So pivoting just a second here on the some of the nuts and bolts of Function Fox, because as you're talking, I'm imagining this beautiful collaborative, you know, cloud-based experience where there's a lot of hands in the cookie jar all working together uh, to advance uh, a project. And it's it's not as routine uh, for that many people to be doing one thing uh, in in the insurance world, but there's certainly this handoff from you know the the initial person who takes the call. You know, maybe they're a front desk receptionist, or as we call it, director of happiness. Uh, that person is the first point of contact, but then there's a warm handoff to the next person. Uh, we have a whole lot of assets that exist uh, in in some sort of cloud environment where there is a warm handoff from one person to another to collaborate and together deliver a great outcome. Um, how is Function Fox advancing that kind of, of well, functionality? Haha, <laughs> there you go. It's almost like you thought about that with the branding of your company. Bravo there. We did. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, talk to me about that with Function Fox because, I mean, this is not an infomercial for your company, but I imagine that some people are probably going to want to check it out and see you know, what the, the offering is, because if there's a good alternative to these, you know, tried and true names like Monday or, or Trello or whatever, um, you know, some people probably haven't heard of Function Fox and want to check it out. So I'd love for you to, you know, talk about that side of your platform and the flexibility it provides your business customers. Yeah. So, um, I mean, you've had all the right things, right? It's cloud-based. It's an environment where everyone can be a part of that. If your director of happiness takes the call, they can log that in, uh, whether it's a new client or an existing client. All the projects are there, everything that the team is working on, and anyone can log in from wherever they are in the world at any time and see what other people are working on. So, you know, you'd go in, you'd set up the clients. If it's not already there, you'd open up a new project. You can do sub-projects, put rates and tasks and, you know, anything really you want to do with that. Um, and then track it along the way. So you can see who's working on what, how many hours they've spent on it, uh, the profitability of each of those projects and each of those clients. You know, what are your top clients? What are the ones that are bringing the most revenue? And then from a, a long-term perspective, pull whatever reports you need, right? So it's uh, what are the ones that we have to build this month? Or if you're doing uh, resource allocation or, um, you know, retainers on a monthly basis. So all of those things are possible within, within Function Fox. And it's just a matter of going through and saying, okay, here's how we're going to structure. And then you learn from it. So people will put in timesheets, they'll track their time, they'll put out estimates. You know, you might say, oh, this is a $10,000 job or a $50,000 job. They track time against it. They do a few of those and go, you know what, we've always underbid or we've always overbid. They can adjust if they need to. Uh, and then they bill it out at the end of the day. You know, if they use the invoicing feature to bill their clients if they want to or use that information for what other 
um, other program that they have if they want to do it that way. But really, it's a it's a central place where the whole team can be on board and you can upload documents. So if you want to track all of your assets or anything that goes along with that, that's all part of the system. I think what's the main thing that's different about our product is all the customer service is free. So if you want to talk to someone, you want to see what other people are doing in the similar industry, you know, there's other insurance agencies that we have. And we say, okay, here's, did you know in your industry that people are tracking this or they're, you know, they're traveling and they're tracking and charging for um, transportation? Is that something that you guys could think about? So we're helping people increase their revenue, increase their billable hours, and at the end of the day, be more profitable. And, and really, that's the goal. It's not just selling a software service or providing a, a productivity tool, but it's actually helping them grow their business. Very cool. There is a, there is a lot there. I hope uh, people uh, listening will take a minute and go to functionfox.com and check it out for yourself. Uh, Freedom Jumper, there is a lot of meat on this bone. There's probably some features and functions of, of the platform that the typical retail agency uh, doesn't have need for just because they're not as complex as I imagine a lot of your clients are operationally. Uh, but still, very interesting uh, dialogue here, certainly on the nature of work. Um, that That is definitely one of my key takeaways. So as we land the plane, Karina, what, what else do you want to talk about? Uh, is there anything that we've missed that you want to make sure we cover here before we wrap this thing up? I would say the uh, the channels. I would be curious to hear about channels in the advertising industry. And, you know, they've exploded in, in our world. And so there's so many channels to market to. Mm -hmm. And some really work and some don't work at all. And I bet you there's some great learning there. So we found, you know, email doesn't work the same way that it used to. Advertising is kind of dying um, in the traditional sense. And there's lots of new channels in, in the advertising world. What about for the the uh, insurance agency world what's what works in terms of marketing and and getting more clients and what what doesn't seem to work anymore well as an industry i think we are generally you know about five or six years behind whatever the rest of the world is doing uh, insurance as an industry is traditionally pretty slow on the uptake uh the more uh, forward thinking the more innovative agencies are you know not five or six years behind maybe you know, one or two years behind. You know, we'll we'll pick up Snapchat three years after the teenagers thought it was cool. Uh, I personally have never actually been on Snapchat. I've never downloaded it. I'm not even might have downloaded it, but I've never actually used it. So that's well, there's some great faces there. You can make some great fun. It's lots of fun. I'm not saying I'm, a, I'm yeah. an avid user. You know, but when, I've been there when for Apple sure. <laughs> made those faces on FaceTime, my my five and two year old absolutely loved that. You know, when I call and check on them, hey, how's it going? How's your day? You know, half the time they're like, Can we do silly faces? And I'm like, No, I'm 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 at the office right now. I <laughs> I don't have time for silly faces. Uh but I think as, as it comes to video and producing meaningful, relevant, useful content that your audience is going to want to engage with. One of the things that I've said several times on the podcast is you have to be more interesting than a cat video because when you're in the insurance world, it is not interesting to most people. Risk management, I really dig it. The idea of you know, analyzing exposures and putting programs in place and loss controls and you know engaging with team members and teaching and training and safety programs and blah, blah, blah. I might find all that stuff interesting. The general public 
that's a great way to take a nap. Like you put that on and then sleep like my wife does with the golf on Sunday afternoon. Like that is her best nap is the golf nap. But <laughs> the the reality is there's a lot that we can talk about if we know how to engage in the right way for the channel. For the longest time, it was just, are you doing video or not? Well, most people aren't and haven't been and probably won't. And they're not comfortable about it because they're all self-conscious about being on camera. But it's not just video anymore. For, for our industry, it's short-form video being mixed in with the more medium-length content. Most people have no idea how to do short-form video effectively without it sounding like a, you know, a product infomercial, which is just the absolute worst way to do short form video. Um, but, you know, Daniel Song is one of my peers and friends in the industry. He is absolutely a monster on TikTok. He has like 2 million followers, which for an insurance agent is basically like global icon status. He's basically the Taylor Swift of insurance. Um, sorry, Daniel, if you don't like that reference, but Anyways, he is absolutely massive uh, for our channel, our, our industry on TikTok as an example. But you go and watch his content and it's like videos with his family and, and like dumpling recipes and this new restaurant they tried out or they're at a park throwing a Frisbee or something. Has absolutely nothing to do with insurance. And then one in 10 videos, he'll say something insurance related and you're like, oh yeah, I forgot that's what you do for work all day, every day because so much of his content is just human. And it's like, you want to get better at creative? Well, be more human. Be more connectable. Be more relevant. Don't be insurance robot. And we, we joke here at Riskwell, like one of the things we actively make fun of is the generic garbage that comes out of so many people's mouth and, you know, accounts as well. The, uh, you know, the stuff that is, is put out there for consumption is just junk. Now, hello, would you like a quote? I can <laughs> sell you some insurance. I will save you money. It's like, come on, man. That, that robotic nonsense doesn't work anymore. But so many people are still putting it out. So, it, you talk about channels in the industry and my first thought goes to, you know, the diversity of social media and the different kinds of social media channels and the form factor of the shift from medium and long form, like YouTube style content to more YouTube shorts, Instagram stories, uh, TikTok, you know, the reels and stuff like that. You really got to know your stuff if you're going to compress it into 15 seconds. Because if, if not, it is just going to be utterly rubbish and, and no one's going to connect with it. And then TikTok is going to figure out that you're trash your content is bad and they're going to downrank you in the algorithm and then you might as well be invisible because you're not going to get any views unless someone is actively clicking on your profile trying to find you. You're not going to be in the algorithm at all. So, I know that's that's chasing a rabbit, but... Uh, no, it sounds like the industries are, are very similar and um, not a lot of uh, differences there. So, I think there's lots of knowledge and insights that we can get regardless of the industry you're in and lots of overlap. Well, and we have a, a weekly coaching, uh, like a shop talk call on Wednesdays at 11. And one of the things that I was sharing today is just being able to answer the question, why you? 
If you can't answer the question very succinctly and simply, why should someone do business with you over one of your competitors? Like, what is the unique value or at least the relevant value? And that's really important, but so many people get stuck on being the best at something. And I think that is an absolute waste. Uh, It is a, a big problem that people get stuck on trying to be special and unique and the best when you don't necessarily need to be the best. You just need to be noticeably better than average. As long as you're noticeably better than the middle of the bell curve and you give people a good experience, they're going to come away with a positive feeling because there's only one best. If you're not one best, then it's like Talladega Nights. Well, if you're not first, you're last. And then, you know, later on in the movie when he's like, well, that doesn't make any sense. There's second place, third place, fourth place. You're not necessarily last. But I think if you're practicing that blue ocean mentality, there's so much business to go around. So many people are placing their insurance with an average, a generic, an uninspired, bland, boring office who does nothing special. They are the definition of middle of the bell curve. There are millions of accounts with agencies that are ripe for the picking. You don't have to be best. You just have to be noticeably better than the pack. Because if you are, then you're going to get lots and lots and lots of business from you know generic, bland, uninspired competition that is not doing anything uh, to encourage people to, one, get with them or stay with them. So I don't know if it's the same way in, in the creative side of things, but striving to be the best I think is probably not something we need to spend a lot of time on. I would agree. And I would just say, you know, the best at what, right? Yeah. So I think there's very lots of different definitions of that. And, you know, industry trends or industry history, right? We've been around for 22 years. There's a reason for that. We're not going to be the biggest and the best, but we're going to be the best in our niche yeah. uh, and the best for the creative field for those that really want profitability at the end of the day, that's where we shine and that's where we make a difference. And so I, I think the big, the big boys, I'll call them, or the big players are, are great. They just have a different focus. And so pick what you want and pick what works for you. And at the end of the day, uh, there's big fish in the sea and lots of small fish and just pick the right ones. Love it. Couldn't say it better myself. Anything else you want to touch on before we land this plane, Karina? No, just make the jump. It's worth it. Yeah. Do your own thing, man. Whatever it is, whatever industry you're in, like you only get one life. Live your life, not the life anyone else expects you to live. You live your life. Now, I, I love hearing it from you how there's so many similarities in, in vision and values in an industry that's not terribly similar uh, in, in day-to-day practice. So, Hey, Karina right. Ludwig, uh, Ludwig, I don't know how you pronounce it. I'm going to say Ludwig because I want to sound sophisticated. That's right. There Fantastic. you go. Okay, awesome. Uh, the CEO and founder of Function Fox, check her out at functionfox.com. It is a tasking and project management platform, predominantly designed for creatives, but lots of other industries uh, apparently can enjoy it too. I uh, really appreciate your time today, Karina. And Freedom Jumpers, that is the end of episode 56. Make it a great day, boys and girls. We will talk to you again real soon. Y'all take care. Thanks for listening to the Agency Freedom Podcast. Please subscribe to AFP on your favorite platform to get automatic updates with every new episode and help other people find us. 
If you like what you hear, please drop us a review and tell the world what you like best. Most importantly, please share AFP with someone you know who is still in captivity. They'll thank you later. Visit our website at agencyfreedom.com to get access to exclusive content and announcements. Join our community on Facebook by typing in Agency Freedom in the search bar. Send your questions, comments, guest recommendations, and favorite grilling recipes to us at podcast at agencyfreedom.com. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast, where we help insurance professionals move from captivity to freedom. Until next time, let's go. Hey, agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. Really? We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good, terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner. And I, you know how it is to, to fix a problem. The first thing you've got to do is you got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, at Virtual Intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high-quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60-second commercial. But you've got time to search it and look at it. That's what we do. We deliver high-quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you, and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland, and we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to ten carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast certified.